how to give God my best. We're closing out uh, the series dealing with giving God true worship. If you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Acts, seventeenth uh, chapter. Be looking at verse twenty-two to twenty-three of Acts, seventeenth chapter. We'll be focused on verses 16 all the way to 34, but I'm going to read, uh, starting at verse 22 to 23. If you have a say, amen. If you don't have a say, hold on. Praise the Lord. The word of God says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill, And said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. Labeling this message, giving God true worship. And in order to give God true worship, you need to know who you are worshiping. Uh, Paul arrives in Athens, and he's there as a pit stop. Uh, This wasn't planned on his journey, but yet they ran him out the previous town (laughs) because he caused such a stir. And while he was waiting there for some friends of his, he walked around Athens and noticed that they had a whole lot of idols in the city. And it troubled him so much that he went to the synagogue, but he didn't stop there. He also went to the marketplace. Now, he went to the marketplace because that's where there's high population of people. Paul wanted to reach anybody and everybody to tell them about the true. So say somebody say true. The true God. And he wanted to make it clear. And as I was reading the text, I started thinking about my life. If Paul was to follow me around, how many idols would he see in my life? Mm. I may not be preaching somebody yet, but uh, would he see television? Would he see video games? If it's hot outside, would he see basketball? Would he see my bed? I I like to sleep too. Would he see these things taking precedence in my life? That I will circle my life around these things. Uh, My mom and my father, they know that if I'm watching the Cubs game, keep a conversation short. 
I'm not paying much attention to you right now. The Cubs on. Or if the Bears game is on, if I'm in a position where the Bears game is on, I'm not moving unless it's halftime. Well, I got enough time to go from point A to point B before the second half starts. You see, I realize that there's some things in my life that take precedence that may be idols. What are idols? Things that I give reverence to. Things I may give authority to. You see, Paul saw many idols there. They had the God of war, God of love, God of this. They met on Mars Hill. Y'all know Mars, the god of war? And you see it's the Areopagus or Eris, as they may translate, Mars in the god of war. You see, they met on this hill thinking that they were talking about what's popular. It said that they went on the hill to talk about what would be new. And Paul came, not part of Areopagus, not part of the Mars Hill Council, telling them about something new. He was telling them about Jesus, who and his resurrection. Uh, these people, you see here, you can look and find about them. They, they, they believed in some Stoics and the Epicurus. They, they believed other things. They, they believed about life and death, but yet they did not believe in the resurrection of a body. So this was foreign to them. They, they said that Paul is talking about some foreign gods. Foreign. Where did he get Xenos, aliens, strange? Uh, and, and when the God, they weren't talking about God. They're saying he might be talking about a demon, something that was new to them. But yet he wasn't talking about that. He was telling them about the good news, the gospel of Jesus, him who died and him who resurrected. Paul was all, all about Jesus and all about his resurrection. And so much so that it did not matter where he was. He made sure that everybody knew who he was living for. But yet, do people know who you're living for? Let me talk about you. If I followed you around, or maybe Paul followed you around, what would he see in your life? What would be your idols? Would it be your job? You love your job so much you miss your children's birthdays. Miss their first games. You make up excuses saying, I'm just trying to pay the bills. But yet, catch this, when your child has a very tragic situation in their life. It's amazing how you can stop everything and show up. But yet, oftentimes, those things can't be prevented if you just gave that child an extra hug. I may not be reaching somebody. Maybe you work so much you tell your spouse that I have to work and you're never home. But when they have that nervous breakdown and they're in the hospital, all of a sudden, you can take a month off from work to be at their bedside. It's amazing when the crisis comes, we drop everything for what was already important. But yet we allow something else to take so much authority in our life. It blinds us. It confuses us. And as Paul said, we are ignorant, lack of knowledge of what truly we should have precedence to. When I Get somebody in my life, all of a sudden nobody else exists. Or I get that raise, all of a sudden I don't need you anymore. Or I get that new car and used to give me a ride, I don't talk to you anymore. All of a sudden, 
I don't need you because I gained something. I place my, my, my security in, my power in, my dependence in. You know how oftentimes you may meet people and they just say, I don't know what I would do if so-and-so left. And they're telling you the truth. Because they place so much in that person. Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we get caught up thinking that this is my life. Paul was walking around and said, look, I want to reveal to you the truth so you all be walking around in ignorance. There's some idols in your life, and these idols, all of them need to go. Yes, not, not, not some of them. I, I know how we get rid of some. We, we may be like, like it was in, 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 in the children of, you know, of Israel. They will hide these idols and hide them and try to sneak away, but yet God still caught up with them. I want you to understand, any time you try to compartmentalize your life and say, God, I'll give you this part, but not this part, it's going to catch up with you in the end. You need to remove the idols. So Paul brings it to their attention that I see these altars, these objects of worship you have and the objects of worship you have but yet you have to the unknown God and, and, and if, I, if I just try to think like Paul for a moment don't mind me but I'm just going to think like Paul for a moment I can see Paul laughing to himself these people want to please everybody and offend nobody so therefore they got all the God's names but yet just in case they left out somebody to the unknown God so we will appease everybody but yet Paul breaks it down to them. It's in the text. He says, look here, the God that I'm telling you about cannot be housed with human hands. You cannot make an image of him in gold, silver, or stone. And he makes it clear. He says, because he is the creator, you are the creation. You cannot create him. He has already created you. You have no idea how to make him and how to contain him because he cannot be contained. But yet, in our limit mind, we try to limit God because we don't know how great he is. So we limit the impact he has in our lives. Paul was letting them know, look, here, I'm telling you about the real God, the God of the heavens, and the earth, the one who made you in the beginning, starting with Adam. And not even then, he went on to make Jesus to die on the cross. And yes, he has been resurrected. I know this is a brand new idea to you now. See, resurrection is not new to us. We, we, we already hear it so much, we accept it, and whether you believe it or not. But to them, it was revolutionary. It, it was sort of standpoint for maybe you and your generation remember it was revolutionary to say, can you walk on the moon? That was revolutionary. Uh, how, how can you make it outside of space? That was revolutionary. That, that was beyond. But to me, it's just common knowledge. Yeah, man, walked on the moon. That's, that's nothing new to me. Spaceships in space always happen in my lifetime. I played with space shuttles. That I, it was just like I grew up knowing it, but to everybody else that was before me, that was revolutionary. Like, wow, you can really walk on the moon? You can really touch a star? And Paul was pointing out to the, I want you to realize that this God you serve is not just unknown. You can know him. And guess what? He desires to know you. Look, 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 look in the text. Verse 25 says, neither is worship with men's hands. 
as though he need anything. Mm. See, he giveth to all life and breath and all things. It hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. And have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That they should seek the Lord. If happily they might feel after him and find him. Though he be not far, my Lord, from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, I, I like this part here. Paul showed his education to them. He said, I know of your poets. I know what you believe. I know what you believe, but it's wrong, but I'm going to help you out the truth. For we also of his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone. My, let me bring modern day for you. It's not your house, your bling bling. Your rolling on dubs, your platinum album is not that. It's not the sneakers you wear. It's not meant on that. It's not graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance, God winked. <laughs> and but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. Somebody say repent. See, here, how can I give God true worship? I need to remove the idols in my life. Remove the things that causes confusion. And then I need to learn to relate to God. How do I relate to God? Well, when I realize why God made me, he desires for me to have a relationship with him. But yet, I, let's rewind back. Paul point out that God don't need you, my Lord. See, the problem here at this time, that these people, the Athenians and the others, would serve God. They would serve these gods thinking they could appease the gods. You need some help? You can even go way back to Elijah. Elijah told them, cut yourselves. Maybe he's asleep. Cry louder. You know, the people thought they could appease God and make him happy by serving him. But God does not need our service to be sustained. God sustains us. We don't give him life. He's given us life. So Paul is making it clear to him. See, you think it's the other way around. Correction, God made you. Think about how you feel when your children tell you to eat your vegetables. You're going to look at them kind of funny. How dare you tell me what to do, right? I, I tell you not the other way around. Even when the children are right, you still let them know. You don't tell me. What to do? Am I, am I talking to anybody here? I, I, I know I've been sitting in my place. Even when I was right, my mom let me know I was still wrong. Because <laughs> how dare I tell her what to do? That's not proper respect. We don't respect God. We don't revere God. I, I tell God what I'm going to do. All right, Lord, when I get this job, I'm going to do this. But when I get that first paycheck, oh, I forgot about tithing, Lord. I want to buy this big screen TV. I'll tithe you at the end of the month, Lord, when I get that next paycheck. But that big screen TV show look nice. Tell everybody, come on over to the house, watch the game. We, once we get what we want, we forget God. Because we serve as mercs oftentimes. And it's so often that's how Satan tries to get us. That's what he talked about Job. He said, look, Job's just a merc, God. He's only good because you're blessing him. 
If I take away what you've given him, he'll curse you and die. But Job knew that God was much more than material things. Hallelujah. That he said, though he slay me, yeah, I will trust him. You see, Job realized, naked I came, and guess what? Naked I leave. Job knew that my life is not based on what I see around me, but it's based on what I cannot see. And I know my Redeemer lives. Paul was letting him know that, look, I know Jesus lives. He is resurrected. You see, we too need to remove idols out of our lives and learn to relate to God and realize that God desires for us to have a true, somebody say true, relationship with him. He said, and look, you, did you see it there that, that, that they should, verse 27, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him? God did all this. So that we can have a longing for him. I I want you to understand that there is a void in your life that nobody else can fill. Sex, drugs, alcohol, gossip, material things, you'll still feel empty. That's why people are bankrupt. That's why marriages are broken up. That's why people are still in rehab. Because they're trying to fill a void that only God can fill. They're trying to get as much pleasure and having no happiness and joy in their life. Because the world will give you something for a limited time. But God will give you something that will satisfy you, keep you content, no matter what is going on in your life. Do I have a witness here? Have you realized that you wanted a brand new car, but you realized that car you had was doing just fine? How you was complaining about your job, but you turned on the TV, found out a whole company just let off some people. You said, I thank God for my job. You, you, you was complaining about your children, but you found out somebody lost their child. You said, well, Lord, thank you for my child. You see, oftentimes we get so caught up that we don't look at the bigger picture. You get so comfortable with what the world gives you. You forget what God can and will give you. You see here, I I want you to understand, we're going to have suffering in our lives. You're not going to be happy all the time, because sin is all up in here. But yet there is a God that's above every problem and situation in your life, that he can move in such a way that he does not need you to make a sacrifice to an unknown God, but you can say, Jesus, I need you. And he's able to step right in your life and give you deliverance, to give you peace. Remove the idols. Learn to relate to God and remove limits off of God. He's not silver or gold. Oftentimes we may say, Lord, I thank you for my job because of this paycheck. My limit on God is the money he gives me. Mm. So when he takes away the money, God's not being good to me, huh? Mm. My car stops working. Lord's not being good to me. Why, why God? Why, why my car? We get caught up with some material things. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. I'm guilty of it, too. When my car starts up, when I don't think it's going, I say, thank you, Jesus. But do I thank him every time I start my car? Mm. When? When? You hear that good report. You say, thank you, Jesus. But were you thanking him before the report? You see, 
He's not based on conditions or circumstances. God is reliable. I don't think I'm reaching somebody. I think I'm going over their head. Let me make it simple here. You all think you thank God for what you just realized he did. But God is going to do anyway. I don't think I'm helping somebody else. I'm going to help somebody else here. He says that he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all. And so, therefore, I can thank him when I'm asking him to forgive me for my sins. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me. I know I was wrong. I can receive it. I can thank God for my paycheck even before I get it. It may be two months late, but I'm thanking him because I'm trusting him to what? Provide for me because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I wish I had some help here. You see here, I know that there is a God that can go above and beyond what the world tells me. The world says, well, you won't make it tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. You can't tell me which way to go. God made me. And I want to let you know, you didn't write my life. Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith. So until he has told me it's the end, guess what? I'm going to still live for him. And guess what? Even when my body shall perish, guess what? I still will be living. You see, we get caught up with this world. This is all going to pass away. Paul's letting know this gold, this silver, this stone means absolutely nothing. God cannot be contained by your hands, nor can you keep them in a place. I want you to catch this. He's not saying don't come to a place of worship, but don't make this place of worship like that's where all God is. Beforehand, Paul said he walked around the city and saw how many idols were within the city. God wants to be all and involved in your life. I know there's a law about praying in the school. They can't stop me from praying in the school. And I'm not just saying it because I'm a pastor. I was praying when I was in grade school. And other times, praise, I wouldn't get a whooping. Lord, please don't let me get caught. You know, I was praying in the schools. I knew my God could go beyond the school board before I even knew anything about the school board. I just knew that I can pray no matter where I am. And I was not ashamed. On all of my jobs, I said all of them, I took Jesus with me. I, I did not take for granted somebody knew Christ. I talked about Christ. They said, what do you like to do? Well, I do this when I'm, after I'm leaving, I'm going down to the church. Why? Bible says, come on down. I met a friend, Jay Pearson. I was maybe 17 years old. Many of y'all may know Brother Jay Pearson. And, and, and he was a meat cutter, and I was just packing up the meat. Sometimes I may play with the saw when I was looking. And I was just packing up the meat over at Cubs Grocery Store. And one day I went back talking to him, saying, hey, man. I was listening to this praise and worship song. He said, I like gospel. I said, hey, hallelujah. He was telling me how he was going to St. Paul. And I said, yeah, I know Pastor Hubbard. And I grew up knowing he was a great man of God. And next thing I know, we started worshiping and felt some God every day. But yet, if I didn't just start talking about my Jesus, we both would have missed out of being encouraged on our day at work. 
there may be somebody sitting next to you that you just need to be upset about all the idols going around in the world and start talking about Jesus. That's what Paul did. Paul just said, I see confusion in this city, and I'm not going to let it last any longer. I'm going to let them know about Jesus. It said he went to the synagogue, and he went to the marketplace. And it said daily he was doing so. Doing it so much that people got wind of it. And they wanted to learn some more. They said, hey, come with us to uh, Areopagus or Mars Hill. And tell us more about uh, this Jesus and the resurrection you're talking about. That's when he broke it down to him. That there is a Jesus. Look here. Verse 29, starting verse 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we all not think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's advice. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at it. But now cometh all men everywhere to what? Repent. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness. By that man whom he hath ordained, wherefore he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. But it didn't stop there, y'all. Howbeit certain men clave unto him, and believe among the which was Dionysius the the Areopagite, he was part of that council, part of those people, and a woman named Damaris and others with them. You see here, by Paul taking the time to say, look, you believe about this poet that says that we are offsprings of God. He used this poet. Uh, he used this poet to relate to them about their own belief. You know, they, they, during this time, they, they, y'all heard of Socrates and, and Plato. These people were pretty much were like a religion. They were dealing with logic and, and, and poets and strategies and, and, and dealing with reality. But, but Paul said, look, you, you almost had it right. We are offsprings of God. But yet I want you to know that through Jesus, we are heirs to the kingdom of God. That there's a Jesus that not only did he walk this earth, but yet he did die. But I want you to understand, yeah, but that same body, that, that I want you to cast this, that same body, that flesh and blood. I know some people say it wasn't, but no, it was that same body that died, came back to life to die no more. Uh, we were studying Revelations, and we read about how it said, once he was dead, but what? Now alive. Hallelujah. I'm glad that he has defeated death. Then it talks about how he has the gate, the keys of Hades in his hands. And, and those that overcome will not experience the second death. Jesus defeated death. This was brand new ideas to them. They, they, they knew of death, but they did not know about a resurrection. They didn't know about a bodily resurrection. And Paul made it clear to them so much so that people believed. You see, you tell everybody, maybe you don't, you should start. You tell people you worship God, but they don't see it. And so, therefore, they may never come to know your God because you don't tell them about your God. It doesn't hurt you bad enough that people are going to hell. It doesn't hurt you bad enough 
that children don't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But yet it hurt Paul so much that he made it a point. I'm here on a rest stop waiting for my friends to show up. But yeah, I know I'm waiting on Christ to show up. So I'm surely going to walk around tell everybody I know about Jesus. Zion, how can we build a better community when we don't tell a community about a Jesus that can change their life? That he desires for us to have a relationship with him. It's right there. It said that God did all this that we may have a relationship with him. Why? Because sin messed it all up. But yet he said, I'll send Jesus to make it right. You can't do it. You can't make an idol. You can't just show up to church. You got to allow Jesus to be a part of your life. You need to confess him as your personal Lord and Savior. That's what Paul is making known to them. It's not just head knowledge. It's what's in your heart. Jesus made it clear. Look, the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. And then love your neighbor as you love yourself. I want you to understand that God desires your whole life. Now pockets, remove limits off of God. Lord, I let you in my household. But when I go to work, I'm not going to act like you. But you are his offspring. You're going to disown your father? Mm. How do you feel when your best friend your wife, your children disown you. People ask you, do you have a daddy? My daddy dead. The kids say that. Where's your mom? That's my aunt. Because grandma raised me. That's my mama. This is real, y'all. People having unreal relationships so they deny the true relationship. God is our Father. He made us. He realized that we were not going to make it back home. So he sent out his son to come and tell us about the truth. And I'm glad how Jesus made it clear to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in the Father? Guess what? You can also believe in me. And in my father's house, a room of many mansions. And if it was not true, I would not have told you so. But he told him, I'm going away <laughs> to a place, a place that's of glory, a place where the sun won't need to be shining, because I will be the sun. That's right, the S-O-N, the risen sun. <laughs> I once was dead, but now I'm alive. And guess what? Once I present my dead, resurrected body to the Father, I'm going to come back back to you so you can be with me forever and ever forever and ever forever and ever till time does not exist no more because you don't have to look at your watch anymore <laughs> because you will be reigning with God forever so must all be a party every day Jesus made it clear Paul made it clear, but sometimes we make it cloudy in our lives. I allow my car, my job, my social status, my fraternity, my sorority, my alma mater, something that has no eternal value, take 
God is in my life. But Lord, I'm sorry for what I have done. But Jesus, you are the center of my joy. You are the reason I live. My life is basically sustaining in you. For I have nothing without you. For with you, Jesus, I have everything. I may not have the big house right here, but I got a big house in the sky. I may not have all the gold right here, but in my true destination, I'll be walking on streets of gold. <laughs> I may not have any diamonds or pearls, but my front gate is a pearly gate. <laughs> you see here? God desires you to change how you're living right now so that when Jesus comes back, you'll be able to live with him forever and ever. So the time to repent is now. Repent means to change your lifestyle. Change your lifestyle. Not just change your mind for today, but change it forevermore. Jesus said, go and sin no more. He didn't say just don't do that sin until next week. Go and sin no more. Remember that adulterous woman caught in the act? He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He means specifically that you've been delivered from this, so don't go back to that anymore. My God. I, I'm going to drive this home and close with this. How dare us talk about Michael Vick when you do the same thing? You get caught, God forgives you, still go back doing it. Then you catch, then, why don't you wake up? Why don't you wake up? We all need to wake up. Realize, Lord, I, I put pockets here that I thought this was okay. But, Lord, I want everything to be right in your eyes. So when in doubt, throw it out. And let the truth of Jesus come on in. He desires a relationship with you. And I'm glad that God says this, that as we draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh unto us. If my people who are called by my name, you see that God wants us to turn from our wicked ways, kneel to him in prayer, confess our sins, then he will hear, hallelujah, from heaven. Come to Jesus. Come to God. Whatever you need to be delivered from, you can be delivered from it through God. Thank you for joining us on this message, How to Give God True Worship. And as a church, we closed out with the time of prayer of us coming together and asking God to forgive us and for us to repent, to change our lifestyles and honor God with our lives and give Him true worship. Please let God speak to you. And take the time to hear him and call out to him. May God speak to you so that you may be able to give him true, awesome worship with your life. In Jesus' magnificent name, we've come. God bless you. This is Zion Baptist Church.